from the studios of Fractal Recording, this is The Mystic Show, episode 105. Welcome, everyone, to The Mystic Show. I'm your host, Chris Curran, uh, and I'm happy you're able to join me. And by the way, I let the music play at the beginning of the show just a little bit to, to help get everyone, including you, the listener, into a little bit of a slower pace. In fact, uh, I just had a woman pull up The Mystic Show on her uh, smartphone and the show started, and the intro music was going, and she was like, okay, when are you going to talk? Come on, let's go, get on with the show. And I was like, listen, the whole point of this show is to slow down, (laughs) and let's get a little more real. This is the show where we talk about spirituality, and meditation, and mindfulness, and self-help, and if you practice a lot of the things we talk about on this show, it'll make a big difference in your life. Uh, we broadcast every weekday at 8 a.m. Eastern Time on the Fractal Stream, and then we archive every show as a podcast in uh, three different places, in iTunes and Stitcher and on our website, themysticshow.net, and you'll also find links to everything there. So themysticshow.net, and again, this is episode 105, so there's 104 other episodes of all kinds of great information. Um feel free to go to the website and peruse that. So today, we're very fortunate to have a guest in studio. And you all know how much I love when people, uh, when awesome people come to the studio. So I want to introduce Jill Eris. She's an archetypal dream work analyst. And you're here at Fractal. So welcome to the show, Jill. Hi, Chris. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I know. So we uh, we connected recently through one of our good friends, uh, Dr. Christopher Stepien. Dr. Chris. Dr. Chris. <laughs> I he needs to come on the Mystic Show as well. Yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna make that happen. He's part of our Pause Your Life meetup group, actually. Mm. And Pause Your Life kind of sponsors this show. Pause Your Life is a local organization. Uh, we do meetups and retreats around North Jersey and and sometimes elsewhere. Um, so Dr. Chris is a member of that. He comes to our groups and, and uh, adds to the discussion in a, in a great way, right? He's a very deep guy. Very. So you, um, you work with dreams. I do. And we had a nice conversation before, uh, before the show and the other day about dreams and, and how dreams are very deep and they're sort of connecting. Why don't you just, before we get into uh, what you kind of help people with. Mm-hmm. Just talk about dreams. How how important are dreams and and what really are they? Like how do they how are dreams relevant to our spiritual journey? Oh, my gosh. Yes, dreams are for me the uh the way in. Um dreams speak to us every night in our own very unique specific soul's language. And when we actively engage our dreams, 
we add a very specific layer to our spiritual journey. We uh, we add this this specific roadmap into our individual unconscious mind via the soul, and we are given the opportunity to start a healing process that is unique unto ourselves and is governed by ourselves. Um, the, the language that comes to us through our dreams is, is the most enriching, fertile soil that we have. So if we, for instance, take a meditation practice and we add the communication um, and the lessons of the dream to the meditation practice, then we're, we're going deep and we're diving down into the depths of pain and love and in a way that we, in our conscious waking lives, are not aware of. So the dreams will constantly endeavor to bring us to the depths of who we are, um, while our conscious minds are always trying to take us away. And uh, there's a lot of reasons why that's happening. But Right. That's good. So it almost it, it's almost reflective in terms of we can look at our dreams and become a, more aware of our dreams and use that as a almost a helping hand to, to move us along our path. Right? Yes, it's a it's a fluid conduit inside of ourselves. It's um, it's a part of the of the gift uh, that we're given in being, you know, embodied souls is to to know that we're not alone through engaging what happens when we surrender to sleep. I mean, it's the most vulnerable thing we do is to close our eyes and surrender. And a lot of people struggle with that. But when we start to understand that the dream is bringing our most tender selves into light uh, so that we can feel into the truth of who we really are as opposed to who we think we are, then it starts a whole new journey for a human being walking this earth. Um, Most of us have so many questions about why we're here, why the world is the way that it is, and how do we bring it back to ourselves? How do we make this world a better place by enriching ourselves and learning new things about ourselves? Mm. Would you say dreams kind of... uh would you say that our own dreams kind of uh, give us messages and hints? Is that the only role of dreams, is to help us on our spiritual journey? Um, is it the only role? Um, yes. I mean, well, that, our journey is really the only thing that we're here for. Right. Right? It's the ultimate. It's, it's why we, in my view, would come here to have an experience, to be on this journey, to remember who we are, um, and to heal trauma. So the dreams are specifically teaching us who we are as opposed to who we think we are. And they're trying step by step, little bit by little bit, to show us how we're defended against trauma, whether it's present life trauma or past life trauma, if you feel that you believe in that way of thinking, or whatever the person's doing whatever we do in our lives to avoid knowing who we are and knowing the divine within us, that's what the dream is endeavoring to, to bring to us. Now, whether the dream gives us a message, maybe sometimes we'll have a deceased loved one come into a dream to, to help connect with that person, to help open their heart in a way, to give them support. Um, that, that's a very unique and specific 
experience, and many of my clients have that experience. I see. That's interesting. So, I, you know what I like? You keep referencing knowing who you are and and the difference between our everyday conscious mind, right, trying mm-hmm. to be in this world, earning money, and I mean you know, uh, living life in a body. Uh, and then there's the knowing who you are on a spiritual level. And, and that's what the dreams, that's, that's what dreams are sort of, that's one of the ways we can use dreams to help Mm -hmm. us on our journey. So, so you, um, you've, uh, you've studied with someone to learn a lot about dream work, haven't you? I have. Tell us about that. Um, two very special someones. My first teacher was Roger Kamenetz. Uh, who uh, I came to very accidentally on my journey, but of course there are no accidents. <laughs> and um, he's uh, a great teacher of, of dream work, and he was educated in this um, archetypal dream work by Mark Bregman, who uh, spent the past 40 years creating this work through his own experience of working with people and eventually uh, creating a whole group of people who were hungry to teach the message of the dream. And um, we have a community um, largely based in Vermont, but now people are really all over the world teaching the dream. I was in Israel in February teaching the dream uh, work with uh, a colleague of mine who's in Jerusalem. So we're everywhere. We're, we're out there talking about how working with dreams is going to um, enrich your life and still allow you to, to, we need to live life. We need to be embodied. I mean, spirituality is not about leaving the body. It's about coming into the body with great joy and experiencing pain. And so, you know, Mark Bregman had, uh, I'm so grateful to him. He took me under his wing for the past uh, four, four or five years, um, working with me as I work with my clients, supervising me and uh, helping me break down my own very specific hard-shelled ego. Uh, which is still a work in progress, of course, because sure. it always will be. Um, but yes, he's uh, he's the the head the head creator of archetypal dream work, and um, is a very special person. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. And now you locally, and and I'm sure uh, over the phone and Skype, you actually do. Excuse me, you do uh, dream work sessions with folks, right? I do. I do. I work with people um, sometimes uh, in person, depending on where they are, if they're local to me. Um, I work with people over the phone and on Skype, and um, a session, um, if you, I can tell you a little bit about what a session is like. Or yeah, how does, like, uh, so, yeah, tell us about a session, yeah. Yeah, so a session begins with, um, when somebody comes fresh, new, into to the work, um, it's a very gentle process. We'll have three to five dreams that the person will bring to me. Uh, usually email me ahead of time. And we'll go through each dream um, as I'm learning about who a person is, learning about who's in the dream, what the situations are. We do something called associations, which is very much a Jungian term about really understanding, you know, if if there's a bird in that person's dream, it's not the same thing as it would be for me. So it's very, very specific to that person's own uh, world, their own life, their own perception. So they are looking at life through their specific lens, and their dream is reflecting that. And so as I get to know somebody, usually in the first year, I'm asking a, a ton of questions. And so a session will be anywhere from an hour to sometimes two 
hours if the person's, you know, if there's a lot of details usually in dreams as we start. As people progress in the work and I get to know them and their story as it lays out, then there's less questioning, the dreams become shorter, and we go more, we are able to drop into feeling in a different way. But initially, people coming into this work will know that we're gonna be very patient with each other, we're gonna be going through lots of little details together, and we're gonna be, I'm gonna be really learning who that person is through the story of their dreams, not really through the story of their outer world. That's great. And you also do speaking and uh, and you also speak about astrology as well, right? I do. I, you know, I've had um, a lifelong love affair with astrology, literally from the time I could read as a very young person taking books out on specifically Jupiter and Saturn, oh. who are the great teachers out there amongst the many. But um, I've had just a very natural sort of symbiotic relationship with planetary uh messages and the way the energy embraces us. It represents psychological issues, represents the unconscious mind and the collective mind. And I love it. I, you know, it's, I love teaching it. I do teach astrology. I really, I feel that all of this is to empower the individual. It's not my message. It's that person's own message. And I love helping people learn how to decipher blueprints. So the blueprint of the birth chart and the blueprint of the dream uh, these are roadmaps that we each have the capacity to learn how to navigate. And it's really great to have somebody to mediate, which is what I love. That's how I consider myself as a mediator for, for these modalities. Mm. That's great. And and I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, the spiritual significance of certain things in dreams. Mm. Um, I wanted to ask you about the spiritual significance about certain things in dreams. But first, I wanted to ask you about the very practical thing about sleep mm. and um and some people dream more, some people dream less, right? Some people don't dream very much. Do you come right. across this? Yeah, usually when when I give uh, talks on dream work, which I love to do, I after spending an hour talking about dreams, that is the first question people have for me is, I don't dream, how can I dream? And so I take them through some very basic things, like what's your bedtime routine like? Are you shutting down screens? Are you having some quiet time? Are you... Um, are you having any alcohol or are you using any pills to assist? Even melatonin, which is a great natural uh, aid, can, it, for me and for many others, we you know, we know it can really change the, the landscape of our sleep. So the, I think first people, this is all about awareness. So becoming aware of what you're doing during your day and how it leads into your nighttime, that vulnerable time, that, that quiet time, that we all resist. I mean, especially in a world where lights are never turned off, you know, we, we're, we're resistant to that. So that's the first place. And then, you know, I encourage people to, do, to find their own rhythm, you know, with how they feel into their dreams in the night. Some people will get up in the middle of the night and record, you know, if they have a phone, an iPhone near them or whatever they use, they can record a couple of sentences, they can jot down a couple of buzzwords or whatever works for the person, but usually just becoming willing and conscious that there's a process that they want to start to engage will change what's happening for them at night. That's interesting. And I know some people, they dream, like dreaming when you're, I don't know how to say this, but in the middle of the night when you're dreaming, it's one thing, but sometimes you'll wake up in the morning and then you'll be like in the half sleep mode and then you actually dream more. Is it? Is yes. That- well, I think there's a lot 
to be said for being well rested and having the opportunity. So the body has to, of course, heal itself and all the systems while we sleep. So that's a big part of why we sleep. So it's almost like the cream on top of sleep is the spiritual work that we get to do around that 4.30 a.m. to 6.30 a.m. period. So, yeah, if if any individual who's listening can give themselves an extra half hour to an hour of sleep, it would be a, a huge blessing for them. <laughs> <laughs> right. I always want more sleep. Me too. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Um, I wanted to ask you about you know, some dreams seem really weird and random. Others seem almost like divine messages. You know, people people say that, oh, God told me to go do this. Mm-hmm. And and it's, so some dreams are more, seem like a divine command, mm-hmm. and others just seem random and weird. Do you, do you distinguish that way at all? You know, I've, I've learned, I've been trained not to do that. What I always will do is, is go into the dream step by step. So, the the dream the dream world kind of usually flips things upside down so what seems good maybe not so good and and the opposite so things that can feel really terrifying in a dream are great opportunities for growth things that feel really good well they could be good but i want to know a lot more before i come to any conclusions it's it's truly a detective's work that we do with the dream. So I, as soon as I'm presented with the dream for myself or with another person, I don't jump to any conclusions because the waking mind wants to label everything. It wants to create safety for ourselves and what we're seeing. And sometimes when things, like you said, are we- like a weird dream, we want to find a place to make it not so weird. Um, so each dream for me I have a similar approach. Go in, questioning the person, what is this? What does this feel like for you? What is this reference? Do you know what this means? Um, And very rarely is a dream giving commands for a person to behave in a certain way, um, in my experience. So yeah, I would not, um, I wouldn't go that route. Right, that's interesting. So let's uh, give us an example of, let's say, a way you know, it could be, you could even make up an example, but like a dream that someone had that you went through with them and you figured out like what spiritual significance it had. And like, mm-hmm. like what is a one, like a, a real takeaway that that person got from mm-hmm. analyzing the dream with you kind of thing? Well, one of my clients um, who's been working with me for a number of years um, and going through a lot of personal crises, um, she had a dream where... Um, she was riding in the backseat of a car with her deceased father. And it was very dark. She didn't know where she was going, but her dad was there. And now she, she had a very loving relationship with her father, but also very complex. There were issues with, his, with her father. Um, and then suddenly she's getting onto a, um, they pull up to a train that is all uh, clear glass, which of course is, we don't, I mean, there's no metal. It's just glass. You just see through. And there's a man on the train, and she gets on the train, and she's very, very frightened to be on the train. But her life is taking her into new directions. And she's, in the last several years, learned about all of the coping mechanisms that she has in her life that have kept her in an unhealthy relationship. So she's been dismantling those pieces. And now, so she's accepted that you know, she has created a life that supports 
staying in in anger or staying in an unhealthy place because that's what she's needed now. She's been breaking away from that. And a dream comes where she gets this, what we call archetypal support. She gets it literally from her father, who's there as a presence in her dream, who also represents how we, or and specifically for her, how she feels about divine energy. The father almost always relates to divine energy. And then we have a man on the train, and the train wants to bring us to what we call in archetypal dream work the animus, who's an aspect of the divine or a great teacher, however the individual feels into that energy. So she gets onto the train, and I have her close her eyes and feel what she's feeling. And what she's feeling, she's she's scared. She doesn't know where she's going. She's been driven someplace in the dark. She knows she has support, but now she gets on this train and she doesn't know so her job, her work in the dream and her spiritual practice to take away is to feel the fear and be with the man on the train, knowing she's being taken into a new place, a place of surrender where her soul wants her to go, where she's not in charge, but he's in charge. And that's a, that's a uh, very strong dream for her that we reference very frequently when she's struggling with something in the outer world. I just, you know, we close our eyes together and we just breathe into it, you know, be with your dad, get on that train, and whatever you're feeling, you bring it to him, and you go with him on the train, and you know you're being brought to exactly where you need to go, even though you're not in control of it. So it's, uh, that's been a big piece of work for her. That sounds great. It sounds like um, this whole concept of uh, surrender as well, that a lot of the Eastern religions talk about, you know, being able to understand that life is good and God is, or, or you're, you are bringing yourself through an experience that that's leading to a good place and kind of being okay with that. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the tricky part of it is, is that we have this kind of a, a, what we call pathology that doesn't want us to know that. It wants us to think that if we go through the journey of seeing who we are and looking at behaviors that impede that process, that we're, we're never going to come through pain. We're never going to come through feelings of grief and loss. But by being surrendered and learning how to do that, it leads us into that place of love. And love and pain are intermingled. They're the same, they're the same essence. It's the essence that, that we're made of. Right. See, love and pain. I don't, see, that's what most modern people don't want to hear about is pain because my spiritual guide also talks about that love is pain and the more pain you have it's actually better for you <laughs> yes yes when it's you know when it's true when it's the real pain that's underneath the reactions the reactions of anger or shame or you know all kinds of reactions in the world are keep trying to keep us safe from feeling pain because we've been taught in the western world that pain will is not okay we shouldn't have to experience anything painful. But by dropping down and in, by my client being willing to feel her fear and the pain of that and trusting, she's learned, this has been a spiritual practice for her for years now, she's learned that it's okay to trust the pain. The pain is actually the truth. Right. I love that. That's deep. I hope our listeners uh, get to ponder that for a minute. I wanted to, you mentioned coping mechanisms, mm. and just talk about that for a quick minute. Sure. Oh, gosh. <laughs> quick. I'll give you some quick. All right. 15 seconds. Go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can, I can certainly speak to my own coping mechanisms, um, which have always been around control. 
controlling my environment. So what is a coping mechanism? It's the, a coping mechanism is a way to, to keep trauma feelings at bay. Okay. To keep feelings that we don't want to feel because they're way too dangerous. Okay. But we're not aware of it. It's a blind spot. And so dreams want to uncover the blind spot. But we're resistant to uncovering our blind spots because by staying blind, we can keep doing our coping mechanism. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the we ego's can keep, happy. And the ego's very happy. Now, we, we all need a healthy ego. I mean, that's our bodies kind of represent what an ego should be. We need to be healthy in the world and, and value ourselves and know that there is form and matter in the world. But the, 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 the way that pathology comes in and hijacks that and turns it into something very unhealthy is in the moment when we are traumatized and our souls are sublimated and pathology takes over. And then we get our nice, not so friendly or friendly, depending on who you are, coping mechanism. And I had mentioned to you earlier that you know I have had some coping mechanisms that I would consider very ugly. And I married a wonderful guy who has coping mechanisms that look fabulous. It makes him, his coping mechanisms make him popular and mine make me unpopular. <laughs> oh, man. So I should be jealous of that, but it's actually a, a little bit more difficult to dismantle coping mechanisms that the native really enjoys yeah. and has had success with. Well, yeah, that's like being in a cage. One person's in a steel cage, one person's in a golden cage. It doesn't matter. You're still in a cage. It, precisely. Oh, that was beautiful yeah. I love that yeah so that's how you know that's how, what my relationship has been like with my husband I'm in this stinky smelly cage but he's, <laughs> he's he's in a beautiful cage but like you said they're still the same cage and so being willing to look at that through the dream is huge that's the work of the first stage that's the work it could take years depends on who the person is but that's what a coping mechanism for me would be um needing to control everything with my children. Their feet wouldn't touch the ground because I was 10 steps ahead of them at all times. Everything that they needed would be done. Um, every phone call that would be had needed to be made, they would never have to figure anything out for themselves because I didn't want them to, because I wanted them to always be dependent on me because that would give me a job. Right, and your ego was happy with that. <laughs> and yes, and then and I could be angry at people who didn't follow my lead. Right. So then I'd have a place for my anger. And I had lots and I still cope with lots of reactive anger. When my wound is triggered, look out. Mm. I mean, I have to. There was a point in my work where I learned about it, where I was able to say to my husband, I can see that I'm targeting you right now because you're my safest place. And I want to just go take some time and see if I can get under this, if I can take a breath, many, many, many breaths and do what I need to do. And now, you know. It's been six, seven years of this understanding and learning and willingness. I don't do that. I say to him, what just happened is really, it's, it's hitting me. It's triggering me right in my wound. And I have a lot of pain right now. And sometimes there's truth. I mean, pathology will always look for the thing it can latch onto that's true. He may do something that's really crummy and I hate it, but it's still not the trauma of a past life of being persecuted or killed or or the wounding I may have experienced in this lifetime in my early childhood years. He's not that person. Right. Interesting. I just thought of another, probably a 
easy coping mechanism to understand is the person who maybe doesn't have enough friends and then they just go home from work every day and you know maybe they eat too much right overeating is probably a coping mechanism of some kind or probably yeah they isolate themselves you know isolating behaviors whether it's i have to watch this tv show or you know i must watch this football game i have to watch every football game and i need complete quiet and privacy while i do it <laughs> you know that's you know it's that's a form of it's a coping me- mechanism it's kind of self masturbatory in that sense of you know i'm going to keep doing this thing that alleviates my pain but i'm it's compulsive i'm addicted to it i don't it's controlling me right. but i still like it Right. right. So whether it's food, alcohol, behaviors, um, activity choices, it's always I'm always asking myself now, well, why am I choosing this? What where am I with this? And I, I go to my homework, I go to my breath and I, I ask myself a lot of questions that I never did ever. Yeah, I just did. I just was being run by puppet strings that I didn't understand. And that's really, you know, by doing this work, we understand what's running us so that we have choices right that's great so we're, we're getting close to the end i want to know from you what is one of the the most joyful happiest dreams that you've ever had i'm putting i'm putting you on the spot now okay. too <laughs> well it was yeah it's a pretty great dream um i had a dream keep well, it pg please oh i know it's hard to this actually i can't with this one so all right i'll think of a different one. <laughs> oh my um i had a dream where I was with the animus, and he was holding me. Um, I was being held in his arms. He was very beautiful. I could see his eyes were this blue, 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 and his hair was just beautiful blonde. And, but he was just holding me, so I didn't have to hold myself up at all. And he had an iPad, and we were looking at a movie, and he was asking me if I could see him anywhere in the movie. And I, I looked at it. I felt like a child. And coming into that childlike state in a dream is what, it's like, it's a big moment. It's maybe the holy grail of dreams, you know, to feel young in a way that we never felt before or haven't since we were very, very little. And some people don't even get to feel that way when they're very little. So he's holding me. I'm surrendered. And he's speaking with me. I'm having this incredible interpersonal connection with the animus and I look at the picture and I said no you're not in there I said your eyes are really blue and that person's eyes are really green and I I'm able to look directly at him and feel him and that's been um, a dream that takes me through a lot of tough times that's nice I mean I can yeah I can tell from the way you're saying it and the and how you look right now that that it's a really deep and touching dream which you can't possibly convey with words Right. Yeah. Right. Very deep. So, well, this has been great. Jill Eris, Archetypal Dreamwork Analyst. Uh, and your website is jillaris.com. It'll be in the show post. Thank you so much for coming on The Mystic Show. Thank you for having me. So much fun. Right? This yes. has been great. So thanks to you all for listening. And um, again, we have a lot of previous episodes. If you go to themysticshow.net, you can check them all out. And um, we'll be with you again soon. Um, here comes the music (laughs) and I just wanted to remind you that as you move through your day maybe try to be a little more aware of 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 these deeper things in your life and it could be could be anything anything in your experience during the day if we can be mindful of these deeper concepts and these deeper ideas um, 
that's a big help. So I wish you luck with that today and all the days going forward. And as always, keep shining.